G'day, Dees Outsiders. It's your boys, Stuba. And the crews. Oh, and just, just slipped past the finals. Uh, might have been a blessing in disguise, which we might talk about a little bit later, but some of the things we'll discuss in this podcast will be a brief, a very brief wrestling uh, overview. Uh, kind of a reflection on our season, really. Um, post-match conference with some very interesting comments. So we'll go into quite a bit of depth into that one. Plus, go into a bit of what the first craft boys, um, especially Kingy, got into on in relation to those comments and a few other things. Our season grade, uh, finals predictions, and what our ideal off-season would be for the club. So make sure you stick around for that. But we might start with the Essendon overview. What do you think, yeah, Chris? And I was really sad to... Um... Uh, to, to have missed making the eighth strip. I must admit, I was on the edge of my seat for all those three games, including the Gold Coast-Collingwood game, the Giants and the Saints and the, the Freo and the Dogs. So I think we, we um, had to win against Essendon, which we did, and we needed results to fall out our way. And obviously all three results went against us. But when you, you leave your fate in the hands of other clubs, then you obviously don't deserve to make it. So we can't be annoyed that we didn't make it. But one more win uh, may have allowed us to finish as high as sixth. So it just goes to show how close uh, position six to nine were. But at the same time, that doesn't uh, justify us finishing in the eight because we were not good enough when it counted. And as you alluded to in the previous podcast, Drew, when you have two bottom four teams in the, the last four games of the, of the season and you can't win at least one of those, you just don't deserve to, to be playing finals footy. Simple as that. Um, but heading into the, the Essendon game, I guess um, it's always good to see that the Dons, who are, are back to being quite a rabble in the competition and they're looking at trading or uh, uh, getting rid of some of their, their most valuable players, whether it be Fantasia and Hurley and Hooker and Saad and all these guys that might be looking for or looking um, to, to leave the footy club. So it's always good to see the, the Bombers um, being up against it in this preseason. But I wouldn't want to be uh, trading or dealing with them because we all know that they're really difficult to, to, to work with um, come the off-season. But uh, in terms of the game itself, I think we just showed that our talent was was much better, and um, and we dominated the clearances all day. And and again, it was just a flaw in our game that we allowed Essendon to come back in late in the piece. And Essendon actually had a chance to to win the game, getting within two goals and it, in five minutes. Um, just goes to show that we're at a stage that we're we're not good enough to to take that next step, and we can talk um, about the particulars later on in the podcast, Stuber, but um, we just have these lapses and it's not through a lack of effort, but we just make these uh, key errors. Um, I wouldn't even say game to game, they're quarter by quarter um, and they happen too often and we work hard for our goals and tend to allow opposition teams, whether they're top four teams, bottom four teams, to just kick goals um, in patches against us at will. And that's something that hasn't been rectified for a long period of time now. So um, in terms of just some quick positives from the game, I thought Petrarca was, was really good. Obviously, Oliver played one of his better games. 
Um, your man Mitch Brown took 13 marks. I have to say he um, was 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 pretty pretty good uh, in the forward half. And uh, Jade, hang on, Hunt- hang on. I'll just I'll just <laughs> hold you up there. He played as a seventh defender for the majority of the match, so um, he was a loose man. So just just <laughs> make sure you you get the facts right. He was not playing as a key forward. He was they threw the they parked the bus behind the ball and. He was an unaccountable man behind the ball, so good on him taking uncontested marks. But yeah, um, and and Jaden Hunt, Hunt as well. He was the other guy I thought played well in the fourth half, and he kicked what four goals, and I think had six or seven uh, score involvements. So um, yeah, he he played his part, and um, and other than that, Stu, I don't really have much else to say. Do you have? Much to say. What do you? What were your takeaways from our final game of the season? No, oh, brilliant cruise. Um, well wrapped up. Other than that little blue about a little <laughs> bit of mis- misinformation about Brown, who who listeners would know, I'm not a big fan of. Um, as a bit of a preview into one of my changes for the end of the uh, this off season, but uh, in going into the match, uh, I think it was a really good reflection of our season. Um, it was a really contrasting game plans. We played the, I guess you have two different game styles that we're trying to emulate. We have one, which is the really free flowing game style that we play really well that won us the games against Collingwood and uh, Hawthorne and North Melbourne. And then there's the park, the bus game styles, which won us the games against um, St Kilda. Not very well, but we're not, um, our, our talent's not made for that type of game, and so we we don't play it very well. Um, mm. And for the first third and fourth quarter, we seem to play the kind of Hawthorne of old or West Coast Eagles kind of kick mark kick mark type game, and we're just not set up for that. And because you don't have the skill executors, and you don't, they're not good at making those sort of decisions, and they have been taught to make those decisions. So everything feels really non-instinctual and because of that we turn the ball over and we make some really bad mistakes uh, which lets other teams in which especially Essendon like why on earth do they not just keep playing the same game style they played in the second quarter and Mm. I was thinking that it was going to be a a complete write-off and that we're going to win by over 50 points but then they let them back in which is a bit of a story Mm. of the season so I thought that was a really accurate reflection of this is the way we should play in the second quarter and this is the way we shouldn't play, which is, seems to be the game style that Goodwin wants them to play um, in the first, third and fourth quarters, which interesting how he keeps blaming that it's the, they're not taking the game on and it's the game style. But the game style he wants to play is trying to kick hero ball kicks to really difficult options instead of just taking the first option, mm. so, which is unfortunate. We might go into the post-match conference, which before we get into it, quick, quick uh, takes. That was the weirdest press conference I've heard heard from a coach for a very long time. I'm not sure I can remember other than possibly uh, Worsfold, who's got equally confusing comments, which... I think it's understandable because he's trying to implement a system which he doesn't believe in from yeah. the assistant coach. And so he's like, well, pff, 
I don't, I don't agree with this game plan. I've implemented it and we're playing worse and I'm getting blamed for it, which, so I understand how Westfold's coming at it. So I take that on that respect, but Goodwin, I speak to people, different days supporters, and they're just like, what on earth was that? It was just a, what, you, what were your top, top level thoughts oh. on that? A bit like yourself, Stu, but I agree. You can't really compare that scenario to that of uh, Warsfold. Warsfold has been a coach for nearly 20 years um, in the competition. Has won a couple premierships. He he was there, uh, he went to uh, Essendon after the the drug saga. So he went there for a period of time with the intention of handing the Raiders on to Ben Rutten. With Goody, I mean, he inherited a really good list, um, and all he had to do was. Uh, make that list uh, maximise their potential. Um, so I guess I was flabbergasted like a lot of other keen diehard Melbourne supporters um, and puzzled by uh, his responses to some of the media, media questions um, in the let's, aftermath of our final game. Let's get into it and we'll, I'll, I'll um, say some of the statements and then we'll um, get some, some of your comments on them. Yeah. So first of all, he calls it a really pleasing com- performance, which you're against a, bo- a bottom four... <laughs> A, guy, a team that's playing like a bottom four team, I thought that was laughable. Yeah, and the the, the, the most concerning part about it is he, he was actually genuine with those comments too. He wasn't just saying that. Like he was actually impressed by the by the, the win and he found it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure, Stu, but that was pretty Baffling. concerning. Yeah. And then he says, um, we were puffed at the end and arduous complain for the last five or so weeks. The rest of the game was outstanding. Again, we're, what, we're one of the top teams in the last quarter for the entire year. Yeah, good point. Good, good stuff. Why, why is it only this week? After a week, week off, so it's the first game where we've had a week off in a long time. Why would this be the week that we tail off when all the other weeks we've been running our games really well? <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and I guess that is a, a great question, Stuber. And, and if the media uh, people were as uh, on the mark as you, they, they might have asked that question because um, that, is the, that is, you know, a fact. And, yeah, I guess Goodwin would have been stumped by, by that question had he been asked that. But yeah, I, they, I, I don't have he, an answer for you. He did hang himself. So in their defence, he, <laughs> he, he had some pretty peculiar comments, which we'll go in right now. So he said, um, he was asked about what do you think, of, if you're going to make the eight, what do you think? Uh, and he said, uh, we've given it our best shot to make the finals. Um, we sat here 12 months ago in 17th position. Uh, position. We've progressed as a football club. We we aspire to play finals. We have a chance to do that. If it doesn't happen, then we we need to get better. Uh, we said at the start of the year we aspire to play finals like every other club. Uh, we've had a huge number of growth from a number of different players. We have changed a lot of how we play, and there are some really pleasing signs starting to come through. In 2018, we overachieved, which <laughs> just pours out, wow. Yeah. And then uh, in 2019, we went right down. We are aiming to be a top club. We've still got work to do, but we present ourselves with an opportunity to potentially go up again. We'll wait and see. We need to get better as a team. We know that. We're on our way. Just 
discuss? Oh, gee, I mean, look, that is accepting mediocrity to say the least. The fact that he was so complacent and is content with finishing ninth is disappointing. And if he honestly believes that, and it sounds like he is um, happy with that result, then based on those comments and that belief alone, he cannot be coaching this team moving forward because I think he must be the only person that thinks um, that was an improvement on last season. And you cannot compare the two seasons because last year, look, to his defense, we did have some injuries. I don't think we should have finished 17th even with those injuries because as we saw this year, even the top eight teams that made it this year, whether it be Collingwood or some of those other teams have still been able to win games due to system and some talent. So the fact that we finished 17th was a disappointment, but there was still that injury um, cloud hanging over him. This year, there was not the case. We were one of the fitter, healthier lists and Burgess, his acquisition has been amazing. And still, even with all that being said, we still were not able to force ourselves into the eight. The fact that he said that... um, 2018 was an overachieving year. I mean, if he honestly believes that anything, uh, if you're winning a final, then that's an overachievement with, with, with that list or that caliber of playing talent. Then again, you don't want a coach that's just going to be happy with making up the numbers or being in the um, conversation of, of playing finals football, because the most successful teams, Hardwick doesn't have that mentality. Hardwick, might not have the most talented playing list, but he believes in that system and he'll he'll be disappointed if they don't win the flag this year. And, they're not, and they might not even be the favourites. They're playing a, a campaign in, in, in Brisbane for all four games and he will think that they can win each and every one of the, those games and, and he'll want to be going down this, in history as one of the, the finest clubs or uh, coaches in, in the game. So... I think that's what we need to aspire to. And it doesn't sound like Goodwin four years at the helm um, is, is up for that, that kind of challenge and that kind of ruthlessness, which is ironic because he mentioned that we need to be more of this club and um, suggests that he is, but from based on those comments, it doesn't sound like he is. What did you make of those final comments that you made, Stuber? Oh, spot on. Um, it's, it sounded like he was defending his own position. He's completely mm. flipped um, everything he said a few weeks ago, and even at the start of the year where he said we expect to play finals, to say all of what he said throughout the year that we expect to play finals, this is a great opportunity, we need to take it, and to then say we miss finals, we're most likely going to miss finals, but that's okay. And to say that we're, he was blaming the list that the list isn't quite up to scratch and it doesn't deserve to be in the finals and it was also it was almost like it was suggesting that um it was the, the because they switched the game plan we should give him a bit more uh slack uh which i don't i don't agree with either and the other point that i which i didn't mention before which i'll bring in here is he mentioned he needs to he need to improve the forward of center so for the forward line he said we're young and developing in this area and we need to get better at that's just frankly untrue. We've been playing Melksham. Mm. Um, I know he's in the midfield for some ungodly, God known <laughs> reason, but you have Jones. Um, you had spot minutes of Tom in there. You, you played um, Brown, which 
you might be like me and you think he's a waste of space, but he's almost he's 30 years old. So you can't have all those players in your forward line and a mix of Vandenberg and stuff like that. I think he's 28 and say that you're young. You might have um, Pickett and Jackson, but apart from that, like that's just an incorrect statement. Mm, that's right. So I might get into, so David King uh, went into this in the first crack podcast, which is a Fox footy podcast. If you want to check it out, it's about a few minutes in this week. It's a very, very good insight. We'll cover some of the main comments they went into. He, Kingy said he couldn't believe oh, they used the word um, overstatement. Um, if they think they, they've improved this year, they're kidding themselves. Uh, Goody would be the only person in Australia in the football world who thought that they progressed this year, was his statement. Which yeah, well, accurate. He said they've probably got four of the best 20 players in the competition. Precisely. They have arguably the best player in the competition for this season, Petrarca, and had every opportunity to win big games with all those, with all the talent, and they just couldn't do it. Uh, the Western Bulldogs, he said, had half the Arsenal that Melbourne did, yet they've, mm. they've won the last few weeks and, and got themselves into the finals. And he thought that was... That's yeah, and I, I, I agree with that um, broadly, Stu, but I, I went, look, in terms of half the Arsenal, I think... That is accurate if you're going to talk about top end talent. In terms Sorry, of top, top end, end top end talent is what yeah, he was talking about. He that, said you can name accurate. you can name maybe five players who are their top line players, whereas Melbourne yeah. you could probably go ten ten deep. That's right. In terms of their top end talent, and that's what a lot of Melbourne fans and a lot of people that know football look at this club and say, "Hang on, they're just a better team than what their ladder position suggests." So. Um, Look, and, and I think that's right on the money. You've got four of the best players in the competition. Um, and there's just no excuse if they're all fit. And a, a 90, 90 to 95% of these guys had full preseason. So they weren't carrying niggles like uh, the last preseason. So no excuses. When you've got a full playing list like that, you've got teams next year are going to be better a year on. Um, and look, I, I just don't know where that improvement's going to come from because, I, like I said, and like we've discussed, it's not so much that the players um, are, not, are not performing. They've just been played out of position or the, or the, the best um, team hasn't been played every week and there's just been um, so many changes that players are not getting that continuity and uh, stability week to week. So, And when that happens, there's not so much flow and there's a lack of familiarity um, with players linking, linking up on the field. So um, completely agree. Completely agree. And going through that, like next year you can expect Fremantle's going to win more games. Sydney. You think Sydney's going to win more games. Gold Coast is going to win more games. Uh, Even Carlton throws a few million dollars at a few more players. (laughs) They might go up a few more games. And the Giants, Maybe they just had a down year after a grand final. They might pull pull themselves together. I might. I I generally don't like him as a coach, Leon Cameron, and I think he's in the similar position. But because they're an AFL um, assisted club, they they were never going to um, switch around switching anything around because they weren't in position to do so. The two yeah. other things that they brought up in the um, first crack podcast was that, and this is where I think Tom McDonald's is a is a 
an underrated leader at the club and he's called this out um, and he talked about at this uh, early this year he said um, at the start of 2019 we didn't review the pre uh, preliminary final loss to the West Coast Eagles and the first track guy said how could you not review that uh, in Leon sorry in Montagna's uh, time under Ross Lyon he said they reviewed one of their prelim losses and they where they got absolutely smashed and they said we're never going to do that again and that drove them to win I think 17 games that next year so absolutely yeah. dominated yeah. and they learned from it um so and that's part of the ruthlessness if you don't go in and, and you're not accountable if you're just being a nice guy which a lot of people are starting to say around the club that they like him because he's a really nice guy nice guy's not going to cut it and that's again what happens when you go through the covid um break again tom came out and said uh we haven't once spoke about football strategy or anything like that. I know a few teams, <coughs> Fremantle, have spent a bit of time on that. But our meetings was, have... Was, sorry, Stu, but was, was, did Tom make those comments publicly? Other than the Fremantle, I coughed and entered Fremantle. But yes, okay. he said that publicly to... Um... <laughs> yes, yeah, so, sorry, guys. That was uh, me trying to add a bit more to it but no, yeah, no. He, he didn't say Fremantle but he, he came out publicly and said that um, Melbourne the review was, I'm talking about even the review like that was even the review so he's uh, the one who came out publicly and and, and in a interview said that they didn't review it which right, okay. he's a he's he got 99.9 something in his VCs he's a very intelligent lad he would know exactly yeah. what he was doing and he he's cut he I, knowing a bit like I do he he knows when he's upset with things and he doesn't get the right response, he'll, he'll push it so that he, he, so if he thinks that something isn't done right, he'll make sure he gets it out so that something can be corrected. Yeah. Um, so good on him for putting pressure on him. And I know pretty much every other club in the competition did go through that. And you'll notice that Adelaide and Fremantle and Sydney and a lot of these teams implemented a game with a really young list and they're yeah. able to do that. So all this talk of, people not knowing the game plan. It's completely Goodwin's fault. Yeah. Yeah, spot on, Stu, man. That's great intel. And, yeah, Tommy is one of those uh, great people to have around the football club and is an underrated leader, like you, like you said. So um, time, time will tell whether he's with the, the football club uh, beyond this year. But um, I, I one, suspect if Goodwin's uh, there, that won't happen. The one... Uh, yeah, definitely not. I've heard... Um, behind the scenes that um, they're going to look to trade. He hasn't, I know this has come out elsewhere, but he, he definitely has not, he definitely has not asked to be traded, but he is aware that he's being shopped right now. Yeah. And, and that, that was, that's confusing. We can talk about trades later, but it, it sounded like Tom Morris's uh, report um, was that Tom was looking or, or seeking a trade. I'm like, I don't want that to be turned around on Tom because that's not fair on him because it, it was more of the more the club shopping him around from what I could understand. Yes, that, well, that's, that's my, yeah. that's my understanding as well. And um, the other point going early in what you said um, with the list being such a healthy list, one of the weird and inconsistent things is that we were the second healthiest list uh, throughout the year but yep. we had some of the most changes throughout the year in terms of our team, our team's 22, which is 
baffling, to be honest. Yeah. And there was weeks that you'd have Smith in the good books and then you'd have weeks where Lockhart was in the good books. You'd have certain players like um, Tom and Oscar and a couple other, a couple others that just get yanked out straight away. Um, the yeah. Wagner boys, I understand the Wagner boys because I was shouting for them to be come out, but they shouldn't have come in in the first place. <laughs> then you have other you have other players like uh, Milksham and Jones who underperformed and yeah. were giving away 50-metre penalties and were just kept in the team. It was really weird and inconsistent with and how he handles his players. And not only kept in the team, that their responsibilities were increased and they were given like... Uh, more midfield time like that that's the the most concerning part not that they were just getting game time but they were actually playing in important positions on the ground and keeping guys like Harms and Salem out out of those positions yeah truly bizarre and then to have uh, his whole comments of making trying to improve the forward line well the forward line was one of the parts of the field where he kept chopping and changing and there was very little consistency in who he had in that forward line you're not going to give players a lot of confidence if you keep dropping him um, straight away, or if you keep you keep dropping some guys, but you, other guys are performing worse, and you don't drop them. It, that sort of inconsistency, players know that and they can sense that they're, they're not stupid. So, yeah, really, really baffling how he manages his uh, the team. One other thing I'll I'll leave you with um, on this part of the discussion is. Yep. Our win loss against the top sides under Goodwin. This will be a little bit interesting for you. So, 2017, 2017 we went four and five. Okay. So, four wins, five losses yep. against teams that were in the top eight. In nice. 2018, two of six. Wow. Okay. In 2019, it was a bit of a shuffling year. And so, we played a lot of teams that were in the top eight. It was zero and 11. Wow. And this year was two and six. Wow. That's so, a, so what is that in four years, Stu? That's like eight. eight and... 28. Wow. Even, so if you, that... even if you take away 2019, that's eight and 17. That is disgusting hey, with the list that they have I... and how they've been placed. That is absolutely disgusting. And this is where I want people to focus on this because when you look at people compare... Uh, Goodwin to the situation in Richmond where Dima turned it around. They beat top sides. It's not like yeah. they had the inconsistencies and they didn't beat anyone. Like the year before, they had the big run. They beat um, Sydney, who was the top side, and I think Adelaide, which was in the top four side as well, amongst others. So I think they had four wins of the top eight. You can't compare that to uh, Hawthorne, who also had some some big scalps. Yeah, You can't compare what- that to Port Adelaide, who who also inconsistent, but they won some, some games against good competition. And, and Brisbane, I mean, Brisbane pushed a lot of teams right to the end just before they bounced back under Fagan. So, yeah, please do not compare this situation with Goodwin to those guys because this right here is something which is not consistent with what they went through. And what that... Well, well done, Stu, but that, that's some... Um... Great stats that you've just reeled off there. I wasn't aware of those, and I know the that was the first I heard of him just then. But it just goes to show that we are or have been under Goody flat track bullies, and those wins against bottom eight teams 
are simply because we're just better than them talent-wise. So you're going to win those games regardless if, if you have no coach on the day, just because you've just got so many better players on the field on that particular day. So you get, you get tested against the better teams and we've just come up short uh, for a large majority of those games, as, as you've um, suggested. Mm, so going into that, what's your season grade? So you came in a couple yes. of pod, couple podcasts ago. It was uh, you have to make finals and win a final. Yeah. Is that right? That's right, Stu. But um, I think anything less than winning one, at least one final, would have been a fail in my uh, in my grade book. So after the, the the dismal 2019 performance where we finished seventeenth. Um, and the club indicated early on that we want to be uh, a perennial finals team and contender um, with those aspirations laid out um, publicly with a full and healthy playing list. Um, and, and the fact that Goodwin has had and inherited a good list four years ago, and this is his fourth year on the job, it is pretty clear that that's an F for me. Um, so in short, that is a fail. And I don't think, um, given that we have regressed, that you can allow Goodwin to coach next year. And if you do, I, I, I'm worried that the first six to 10 rounds, if we're, say, two and four or four and six, that, that could be another wasted year and, and Goodwin um, gets sacked next year. I'd hate for 2021 um, to be another wasted year. And that's what I'd be concerned about if we were to keep him, that 2021 is also a write-off. Um, and like we've said, we've got players th that are in their footy prime um, that that another wasted year would not help their their footy. And and if they're not looking for trades in the end of this year, those key players, then they most certainly will be next year if it is a wasted year next season. 100%. Your... 100%. Um... Also an F. I don't see why we shouldn't be in front of Collingwood, Western Bulldogs, St Kilda this year. And with the talent that we have, it looking in uh, now uh, in reflection upon the year, to have Port Adelaide, Brisbane in the top four, our list is better than their list. Oh, mm. I'm sorry that like they're just better coached. Richmond, Richmond's just a is a top six uh, list. But, it, yeah. but it's mainly because of their back one forward line, not their midfield. Mm. And they just swarm you and it's just a better um, better coach. And Geelong, they're getting the most out of their good players, but they're, people keep blaming up the bottom six players in our list are rubbish. Look at, look at a single club in that top eight and tell me a, a club that has a better bottom six. If you put our best 22 in on paper has a better bottom six. I can't, I can't it, identify it, one. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know the point you're making, Stuber, and, and, and on the whole, I, I, I can't really argue with you, but I would say that Richmond, because they're very lean, they've only got a few A graders, but they're, then they're just very consistent. Like they don't have any too many superstars. So I think they probably a team that have a, a decent bottom six because they don't really have an outstanding um, six to twelve or twelve to eighteen, so they're just consistent right down. The, and I think they, so, Richmond system, you could put a VFL player in there, and he would exactly. look like a superstar. Like and this is the problem. This is like 
they're like the Spurs. You could if they if you trade for a Richmond player other than Butler, Butler was a, a, a different situation. But the majority yeah. of the cases, if you trade in for a Richmond player, they'll look pretty ordinary on another list. Mm. So I think um, who was it who went to Gold Coast? Uh, Brandon Ellis, I believe. Yeah, and he's he's in the team, but I wouldn't say he's lighting the world on fire. He was no, no, put on he, a big he, money and. If it wasn't for him playing in Richmond, I don't think he'd be getting games at, at Gold Coast. The amount of talent they have. Mm, and that's what premierships do. They, they will um, mean that clubs will trade and, and pay you a bit more than what you're probably worth. But I will just add uh, on top of that, Stuba, that there, there, there has to be some form of review. And I'm sure that will take place. And that's including guys like Marnie that's been in his position um, uh with with uh, with four coaches, I believe. I think he was there for Neil. He was there for maybe even Bailey before that. Ruse and now Goodwin. So that's four coaches. So not to say he's done a bad job, because I think the football department in recent times has actually been pretty good. But he's uh, his his position still has to be has to come under the microscope. The, all all the coaches, um, obviously Goodwin's the main one, but all the other coaches have to have to be. Um, reviewed as well but I will sort of mention some positives from the year as well and that's they're our first year players Jackson Rivers and Pickett they look like they'll be long-term prospects for the club and I have to just a special mention for May and Petrarca who had uh, outstanding seasons the both of them so um, not too many other positives but they're probably mine in a nutshell yep 100 100%, um, we've identified that there's a, a more talent than we even thought on the list, which is which is awesome. And have Vandenberg have a pretty much injury for, for a year was yep. also also nice. Mm-hmm. And to get get a bit of a bounce back from Hubert, who had a bit of a down 2019. Um, but in terms of players who've improved, and I, I'd say improved in terms of when he came in in 2017, if you compare 2017 to now, um, yeah, other than Petrarca, who I think I yeah, was just, he, his manager came out and said, you can trade me or put me in midfield. So <laughs> I give Goodwin, I don't really give Goodwin any credit for that. Um, and then Matt, May dropped kilos and he was always this type of player. And so mm. I, that's not on Goodwin either. So other than yeah. those two, yeah, I, I don't give anyone improved. So, Baffling comments again. Um, do you want to go quickly into the um, who you think is going to win, or who's, who you think is going to make the grand final? Yes, Juba. Um, are we going to look at week week one or look at all? all in a, all, Just skip. Yeah. Um, okay, I think I'm still never say we're not in the finals, and we've got such a crummy coach. I, I think finals is such a good time. I, I love watching the finals, and I've. I've, I've become used to watching it as a neutral fan because Melbourne haven't really featured there um, more often than not. So I guess I'll be hoping that the the young Lions or maybe Port Adelaide, we've seen enough of uh, Richmond and Geelong and I, I don't really give a chance to any team outside the eight, including uh, outside the four, sorry, even including West Coast because they'll be playing games in the Gabba after week one. So uh, something tells me Brisbane might upset Richmond, but Richmond will bounce back and still make the grand final. So it'll be, uh, I'll say a Brisbane-Richmond grand final. I think Richmond will either play Port Adelaide or Geelong at the Gabba. 
Um, and I, I think it'll be Richmond Geelong prelim final to face Brisbane um, in in the grand final. And I, I think maybe give the edge to Richmond. But I don't, I don't know. I, one one part of me thinks Geelong and Richmond will play off in the grand final um, because they, they seem to be the two most or the two best systems um, that you'd bank on. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, part of my heart wants Brisbane to to make the grand final because I like Fagan and I like their young players and they're, and they're exciting to watch. So heart says Brisbane, but I think head says Richmond will beat Geelong in the grand final. You, Struba? I have uh, Richmond and Geelong in the grand final. But um, yeah, obviously we'd like to see either Brisbane or Adelaide in there. Um, yeah. Just give us a little bit of hope that there's quick bounce back because they both bounce up the ladder quite quickly. So yeah. give us a bit of excitement for what might happen. So we now, might now go into our preferred off-season. Um, we, we decided to do this a little bit early. So version one, pre a lot of news coming out from the media outlets. So Chris, do you want to start us off or neither of us know the plan of the other? So this would be a no, bit exciting no. for both are of us. Gonna, are we going to... Yeah, I mean, there's guys that are not contracted and we can sort of briefly speak to them. Um, guys like Hannon, guys like Bernal, guys like Oscar McDonald. They're, they're three guys that I don't like their chances, but I think they they should be given at least another year. They've all got something to offer. Hannon, for me, for, in my opinion, was should have been in our best 22 and should have played a lot more games. But now we both said with his neat foot skills and decision-making on the outside should have been in the best 22. And Oscar McDonald was often the scapegoat for, for, for no great reason. So they're three guys that have a lot to offer at the level. I'd be disappointed if I've, any one of those three had traded or delisted. I think... agree with you. And with Benel, I know he had that drinking infraction, but I also take into account that it's been a really hard uh, period where he's in the lockdown. He's in a, he's, he was in a much more difficult mental health state in terms of the start of the season and going through yeah. and being so disciplined. And then having Goodwin yank games out from him when he was playing guys, absolute spuds compared to him in the team in the last four games, he must have been tearing his hair out going, what the hell do I have to do to get back in the side? So I don't condone that he was out drinking and doing the wrong thing. But again, if it's kind of like a just Dustin Martin thing. Like if it's, yeah. if Petrak was out outside doing this, we would have said, oh, tick, tick, but uh, doing the yeah, wrong thing. But... Gets behind him as well. Like you just hope there's a bit of common sense. Then. And, and, and I w- if, if you're going to delist him, I hope it's not due to this because that would, that wouldn't be fair. I think um, it would and just be not fair for the, not fair. The, like you need to look at this. Um, my dad had something really interesting to say and he got this from the Australian uh, Awesome Foursome. They basically went through and they said with every action in in their kind of lead up to the Olympics, they said, does this help us or does this not help us win the finals? So does Harley Bennell help you or not help you? Obviously, uh, fully fit, Harley Bennell is one of the best players in the competition. So you'd be stupid to let him go now just when he's starting to get his fitness back. And his speed. Yeah. Spot on, Stuba. Um, some other guys that I believe are not contracted that I want to get signed up are guys like Bailey Fritch and Tom Sparrow. I believe 
they are guys that will be signed up. It's just a matter of time, but sign them up. Don't wait any longer. Guys, uh, Harrison Petty, I know he was injured this year, but a, a key position player, versatile, still very young in his early 20s, show, showed last year that he can take an overhead mark. He's, he's for me, list-worthy. Charlie Spargo showed enough this year, kicked goals in multiple games when given and afforded the opportunity. So, again, he should be signed up. I think backup guys, depending on the list sizes, I think Lockhart, Mitch Brown, Jaden Hunt and Joel Smith all should be given um, at least another year as well. Um, but obviously it'll come down to, to list sizes. Um, I think they're dropping two. I think they'll force pet um, clubs to go down two spots, either two or three spots this year and two and three. Uh, I think it'll be a total of five. List okay. spots. I think it'll end up 35 at next year. I think it'll be 35 senior listed and I think two rookies or something like that. Okay, so that's they still might all be. But it'll be 30. I, I think it'll be 38 plus, maybe two or three rookies. Well, obviously um, Brisbane Lions and the Suns are well over that, but yeah. yeah. So I think those guys should all be signed up. Look. Nathan Jones doesn't get another year for me. I think that's pretty clear. It's, it's, I, I, I feel that Goodwin will probably honour Nathan Jones with another, with another year, it, should he be the coach. Um, and, and look, I know Hibbard is uncontracted and he's, what, turning 31? He'll be 31. I, I would probably give him an, another year, but... I don't know if he's going to be in our best 22 or in our starting back six next year. Um, if, right. if we, if we get, if we get um, a running halfback flanker or we add to that back line, but he's a guy that is uncontracted and should, should more than likely be signed up. But um, that's how I just see those guys with that, that sort of um, with their contract in limbo. Um, now, so who do you have as us targeting? Okay. Now, I suspect Viney and Tom will be traded, whether or not they want that or whether the club sort of shops them both. And that's probably $1.3 to $1.4 million um, combination. So I think they'll look to target three sort of role players with that money. And if they do that, I'd be looking at three types of players. I'd be looking at a, at a second key forward. I'd be looking at a a midfielder slash forward that has the ability to run and carry, and I'd be looking at a defender. Now, if we're going to look at those three needs, I'd be looking at a, a, a Himmelberg from Giants or Hogan. I know they're both contracted, but that type of player, I'd be looking at a Fantasia type. I know he's wanting to go home to, to Port Adelaide and, or Adelaide, but that type of guy that can still run, carry, and, and provide neat foot skills. I know he didn't play too many games wrestling this year due to injury, but that type of player. And the other guy is, is a backline player that hasn't been able to break into Brisbane's side this year because they've been performing so well, and that's Alex Witherden. He's um, 22 years old. Up until this season, was a really good, promising young defender. Has the ability to rebound well, but play that lockdown side. Um, lockdown game as well he's a good size at six foot two six foot three really tough and physical um so he would be a guy that i'd be inserting into the back line as well so i believe he's looking for more opportunities uh beyond this season because he can't quite break into that brisbane side but they're three guys i probably wouldn't be looking at someone like that uh, sard and 
um, some of these other guys that want uh, more money than they're probably worth, but they're probably... What's that the, Williams who wants 900000 Which is unreasonable, but um, I've done enough talking, Stuber. I'll, I'll pass the baton on to you and you can give me some of your maybe possible inclusions for the club for 2021 and beyond. Oh, well, thanks for that, Cruz. So we got... Um, did you have Himmelberg or Hogan at the end? I, I would say Himmelberg because he's probably a better number two to Wiedemann. I think if Hogan comes in, he might uh, fight Wiedemann for that. And not that that would be a bad thing, but I, I think it would be a clear Wiedemann being your number one and Himmelberg's probably a better number two. But um, who, whoever's available, I think they're both contracted. So maybe... Probably, health, probably healthier. Probably stays in the park a bit more. <clears throat> yeah, and that, and that as well. No, interesting. Fantasia and... And uh, Witherden. Witherden? Yeah. yeah, Alex Witherden. I, I really liked him. What? Which, you beat me to the punch. I had Witherden in my changes, so that's one of the... <laughs> Did I? Okay. So... Well done. <laughs> oh, you're thunderstruder. Okay, so I've got a lot of changes. So okay. this, is, this is my optimum, yeah. this build, and then I'll give you the 22. So I'm looking at it on my screen here. So I have, I've swept all coaches out other than Richardson. And I've got Alistair Clarkson. Oh, I didn't get into coaching, but I'm glad you did. Paul Salmon. <laughs> Chuck Williams. Oh, wow. Richardson. And then I've got Adam Uze as our uh, Casey Senior Coach slash Development uh, Manager. I like it. I like it. Bring in the ooze. So then well I had... Is it better just to have all the outs and then give you all my ins? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I just did it all, uh, yeah, going to and from. But yeah, if that's easy, if you got, hit, hit me with it that way. I also have them as trades. So if you want to stop me and, and look at what the trade would be, let me know. So I've got yep. Viney. I've got Fritch. Okay. Melksham. Yes. Bruce. Oh, yes, yes. Jones. Yes. Hunt. Yes. Hall. Yes, yes. Bedford. Yes. Which is a tough one. I know he's a young player, but we have so many um, smalls. Yes. Uh, Hibbard. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Brown. You know I don't like Brown, so yes. <laughs> it's not going to be a surprise for many people. I've got uh, <laughs> Wagner C, Wagner J. And just because they've been whipping boys for too long and I want to see them... Um, fly their own flag. I've got OMAC and TMAC to prove the haters wrong. Yeah. Cool. And then I've got... Now, now, Stu, but like... Yeah, sorry, the listeners out there, yeah go. Do you want to distinguish between who was being delisted out of that group and who's going to be traded? Because guys like Malksham are, are contracted until 2022 and guys like Bedford probably doesn't have any currency to be traded. So maybe just run through a few of those and... Yeah, yeah sure. I'll go through... I won't go through who I brought in for them just yet, but I'll... No, no. So Viney, I, he's a restricted free agent. So I said I'd match the offer and I'd um, make them trade for us. So say Geelong does it and they trade and get us um, pick 10 and 17 in a compromise. And I know this is a compromised year. And so you could probably get those two picks and give off a fourth rounder. And that might be close to, to value. Fritch, yeah. I had um, traded. Uh, Melksham, I had traded with Hibbard as well, both going back to Essendon because they could use (laughs) (laughs) 
Essenin son payı. Sendim ben. As long as I don't give us Hooker in return. No, I've got Hurley in return. Okay, that's a good one. That is a good so one. So that's a sneak okay. sneak preview into one of my changes. <laughs> so I've got Bruce to um, GWS. Okay. Uh, Jones is um, retired. Sorry, Jonesy, no one's going to pick you up. So no, yeah. no trade. And he's a, he's a yeah. he should end like that. He shouldn't end he with should. any more games. It'll make him look worse. Uh, Hunt I had as a trade. Yeah. Hall I had as a delisting. Bedford yeah. as a delisting. Chandler delisting. Yeah. Brown yeah. Wagner. Wagner, uh, Omac and T-Mac. I know people criticize me and say he has, Omac has no value. I had him as a fourth round pick, uh, Omac and T-Mac. I had, um, if we give up, if we pay a little bit of the salary and we give up a, a fourth round pick, we might get like a, a mid third or possibly a late second. If you add like a either late third or a early fourth round pick to T-Mac, you might. And if T-Mac is fully, Fit and if it, if Goodwin hadn't chopped and changed him, you might be getting a first rounder this year. Uh, if he, which is which is really unfortunate. He would have been worth a lot of money. So I've got my. You want to hear my ins? Yep, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm waiting. I. So this is this is an interesting one. Andrew McGrath from Essendon. From Essendon. Yeah. Okay. Well, but uncontracted. He's out of contract. Yeah. He is not, apparently they're not close to signing him. This has been something which has been ongoing for a few months now. Okay. And if we're giving off, and he's a guy who can come in, he's got brilliant skills. He can come off the back line. He can play multiple decisions, uh, positions. He's more a back line player though. He's the back guy that line and be, mid. He'd be a quality, he'd be the guy that Lockhart was, was playing on. We're trying to create that position with Jetta getting a bit older now. So, yeah, I mean... He played a lot of midfield minutes this year, so I have him splitting. Top, top five pick, those two. Essendon are notoriously difficult to trade with. They would want at least a top five pick, and I don't so know... I had, I had Viney match and trade, um, so giving off the pick 10 and pick 17 from Brisbane, from Geelong, sorry, and also yeah. giving off a, a fourth-round pick, okay. which equates to roughly a, a low first-rounder. So... Okay. Take that, isn't it? You, you lose that's him. Fair, and I've got Hurley. So we've, we've given off Hibbert and Melksham. We got Hurley back. And yeah. I also added a pick in there, I think, because you can't add two players to get a... But he's he's a bit underneath. He's a bit injured so and he's 30. So I brought him in because I think Wiedemann needs a big body to help him with his aerial um, and take him off make people have to think in before just double teaming him. If you had someone big and like Hurley, uh, you take a lot of pressure off him um, in terms of the defenders. Yeah, wouldn't be able to sag back. And I also wanted to bring in an older player as a forward because I think Jackson is really developing and have him come in and be like a run up and down the ground type guy, but then have someone who's older so that in a few years time when Gorn's no longer able to sustain all the time in the ruck, he can do what Cox and Nantanui did. And um, Hurley will be at the stage where he'll be off the list and Gorn will be that target down forward. Yeah, that's interesting. Although I think Essendon have almost, with the drug saga and, and playing Hurley in multiple positions, throwing him at, in, into the back line, into the forward line, um, that they've almost sort of 
hurt his career to some degree because we haven't seen his his best um, consistently. But I look, I do think he's a natural backman. Um, and look, if he you know was to come to the club, he would obviously pl- be playing as a forward, and he can play the forward role. Um, and he probably still does have two more years of good football left in him. And like we keep saying, we're, we're in that premiership window now, at least we think we are. So that wouldn't be a, a bad decision. Um, although I guys who, money, it would be taken on his contract. But we're, we're getting rid of... I didn't bring in many many guys of high value in terms of contracts, okay. but I got a lot, a lot of different players. And so I guess if you're getting off um, Tom and Viney and Milksham, um, Hibbert, that's right. Fridge, yeah. um, a lot of uh, Jones, a lot of guys who would have been on somewhat decent money. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, so this is the one I got. I sent Fridge to Carlton, and I got Paddy Dow. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Which he's been misused at Carlton, and he's not very well developed. He's, if you look at some vision and some highlights that have come out throughout the year from the second um, comp this year. He looks like a really special player, like a one-touch <laughs> player. But he for does. whatever reason, they've absolutely butchered his development. And he's <laughs> he, he's one of those diamonds in the rough that some clubs just mismanaged. Similar like McGrath. McGrath has been played in the back line. I think um, McGrath has some upside playing in the midfield, kind of like a, a Neil type where he can get un, in and under and get the ball. And similar with Paddy Dale. This is, I wanted to... I know we don't have many good juniors other than the, the three picks we picked brought in at the end of last year. So I wanted to bring in a bit of youth as well as some experience. Yeah, and because right. I've got Alistair Clarkson, I brought Isaac Smith. Oh, there we go. That's a good so one. So people wanted our, mid, our forward line to be a bit more, um, have a bit more sink and to have an extra in there. So if we wanted to throw Tomlinson or Langdon and throw them around, I wanted to have a little bit of flexibility in my team. And so have Isaac Smith with um, Alistair Clarkson to kind of instill his system. I thought that would yep. be... He hasn't signed yet with Hawks, so they put a two-year deal in front of him, but he hasn't signed yet. Maybe um, Clark has just told him to hold off and, that's until what I'm he thinking. knows who's going to be coaching next year. Exactly. That's what I was thinking, because that's a really weird decision from one of their veterans. Um, I brought in... Jai Coldwell, so really athletic inside-outside okay. player from Giants, pick 10 two years ago. Again, this is this is me kind of – we did all those trades with um, with Lever and with uh, May, and we lost some of the high-end talents in those years. And we've kind of been stung with that a little bit because we haven't had that youth and, and really good development kind of pushing our senior players. And so bringing these guys in pushes them with it in, which you've already – Beat me to the punch there. Yeah. And then another another um, veteran I brought in, Will Schofield from West Coast Eagles. Okay, just as, as probably a, a backup sort of defender. Probably doesn't get... Are you, are you saying he's in our uh, starting back six? Um, he could be. He could be, but it's... um. I guess it's up to Petty or him. So it's it's pushing. You, I want Petty to grow into that role, but mm. have someone pushing him. But also I wanted to have a really decent player who's played in the West Coast system. Um, Smith's played in this Hawthorne system. Guys who've had success, who know how to do it from two different clubs that have experienced that and bring that into the club uh, to really push us forward. 
because we haven't had good veteran leadership and I think those two really show it. Um, yeah. I, up, I upgraded Lockhart and then I've got two second rounders and a third rounder into the draft and I've got a, a rookie listed um, Sam Durden from North Melbourne as a backup um, athletic big who could have been anything, but he's just been in a poor club with poor development. Well done, Stuart. But yeah, and then I've also asked that we get a rookie from Ireland because we've been missing one of those for a long time. So give me someone from Ireland. Thanks. I like those changes, Stuart, but I haven't uh, uh, given it as much thought as, as you. But yeah, I, I like those changes. I like the um, the trades of... Uh, Malksham and Hibbard because I, I, I looking at my starting 22 for next season neither of those two are in the top 22 maybe not even in the top 25 um, I look if you, I would happily trade Fritch for the right price so if it's someone like Paddy Dow that is a fair and reasonable trade um, Sparrow replaces Viney in that role should Viney leave uh, Petty is that third defender that probably replaces Joel Smith or Oscar if he develops into the play that we think he does. Um, and Isaac Smith um, and, and Hurley, like we said, they're both 30 years old, but they, they're, they're well, Isaac Smith's a premiership player and Hurley is a, a proven um, key position player at the level. So they're a couple of handy ins. And if Andy McGrath comes over, which I don't see happening, then, you know, that would be a massive win um, in the off season, Stuber. But we can have another sort of... Um, Oh, so this uh, is like, a, a, this is this would be realistic, but somewhat realistic, but this would be like a, a absolutely sublime off-season. Even if we just got the, those coaches, like those coaches would, I would have utmost confidence. And the one thing I'll leave you with is um, Finey, I let go mostly because he was clogging up a lot of time in the midfield and not giving enough options and um, switches in and out of the midfield just because he's really just a midfield and not much else. Um, player and so by doing that I've basically with the with the starting 22 that I've got I've got about 16 players that can rotate through the midfield yes and that's what I thought if you look at the the game style that I think we're meant to be playing I thought that's the style of club that we're wanting to do where we just run players off the park and we're just really really contested and, and fast and but we have those skilled players on the outside yeah, well answered. I like your thinking. Um, yeah, and we, and we can sort of revisit this um, once we find out what's probably more likely or realistic because I, I suspect if Goodwin is going to be the coach, we'll find out in the next couple of weeks whether, if he's not going to be there. If, if nothing's happened on that front, then I suspect he'll be um, taking taking the reins into the, the new year. But look, if... If we make half of those changes, I think we'll be a, a better club. But, um, yeah, it's interesting how it'll play out. I think Viney will, will, will more likely than not leave, but he, he's a heart and soul player. His, his dad was um, a great of the club. And, and Jack Viney's still, you know, 26, 27, still has a lot to offer for the club should he stay. So I just think even if, that is the case, then you just make it work. Um, he, he showed that he can play a forward role where he puts that tackle pressure on. It's just up to the coach to, to make those changes and allow everybody to get the minutes inside the midfield like we did in 2018. It worked 
uh, wonders in 2018. So why can't it work wonders uh, moving forward? So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting how it plays out, but I suspect that uh, Tommy and, and Jack Viner will be at, uh, at different clubs uh, next season. They're probably the two most um, notable uh, boys that might be on the way out. But it's going to be an interesting off-season, Stuber, and I look very much forward to tackling this um, in forthcoming pods, whether or not we do it week to week or whether we space it out a little bit. But we should do another one in the, in the next week or two and revisit this. Well, I'm locking in that all of my changes are going to have Paddy Dow and Withered in because I think they're two guys who are misused and, and have... And gettable, yeah. And gettable. So, yeah, I definitely want to lock those in. And I, I like what you said. I, I definitely think that you'd want to move on, on the coach in the next couple of weeks, um, if possible. The two guys that you're most likely going to... Um, would replace him with would be Lyon and Clarkson. I think people sometimes ask why why wouldn't you just go with um, a young coach which you can pay less money I guess the D's are in one of those situa- weird situations which we haven't been before in all of these rebuilds that we've had uh, we haven't had the chance of getting in a, a really good coach for a long period of time. We got Ruse but he was just there for, he was just a placeholder um, when you're in a a spot where you're challenging for um, premierships, that's when you get the good coaches and they're going to come on board. And so that's where Alistair Clarkson and uh, and Lyon, Ross Lyon, Ross the boss, that's what would pique their interest and they would see all the potential on the list. And, yeah, it's time to just go hard for it, I guess. I see us. It, we lost 22.6% of our members this year which was the largest fall of any club by some margin, I would have thought we're going to struggle with both sponsorship, um, membership, attendance, and really struggle as a club. I think if we don't make the switch, it's my call. Well, Stuart, and I, I like your, your, your trade cap as well. I, 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 I'm already picturing Paddy Dow in a Melbourne jumper and Alex Witherden in a Melbourne jumper and... Uh, maybe even Isaac Smith uh, with, with maybe another Premiership medallion come this time next year. Yeah, and the guy in the wings who is the the wild card is Colin Jasny, who we don't know if, if he comes fit, he is a sensational player. So that's one which we, we might have all kind of fallen off of. But I remember Brakeshaw had that year where he was he took the year off pretty much and came back and he was good as new. So that might be one to watch out for with the, the helmet on the head, like Brayshaw. <laughs> well, there you go. I think we've, um, we, we've done as well as we could have, Stuart. It's a shame that we're not playing uh, week one of finals, but we, we soldier on and we look at trying to make this football club better, which we've, we, which we've done in detail week in, week out. So we've to done be honest, much. if we brought in that coaching panel... I think most media commentators would have us like making famous. top four or challenging yeah. for the premiership next year. And that's what Tees fans should consider. Like just making the finals, as much as we're disappointed we didn't make the finals, it shouldn't be, yes, we made the finals and that's a victory, which it seems to be what's the good one and it seems to be preaching. It should be finals or bust. 
And I know, I think it was a player, an ex-player from Sydney uh, came out and said through those years, they basically had in their mind, it's prelim or bust. If they don't make that prelim final, then it was a failed season because anything can happen at the prelim and the grand final. And so it's a a trick of fate, but making sure that they always are peaking and hitting that um, and not accepting anything less. So that has to be the mentality. And that ha- that's if you want ruthlessness, that's the ruthlessness that you need. And with all the decision-making, it should be aimed at getting Melbourne a premiership and getting multiple premierships. This list, if this could be the last year where we have the trading chips where, and with COVID as it is, that, that we can, and be, with players in the second competition that would have played really well, like Paddy Downs and with it in and stuff like that, this is the last time to kind of dip in and get an extra lot of young talent at, before we have our, our run at premierships for the next, I don't know, six, eight years with some of the players on our list uh, with our young core. And, I mean, if you're Alistair Clarkson or, or Ross Lyon, who would be third, third time lucky, they would absolutely die at the opportunity to go at it again. I think Hawthorne's in for a really rough rebuild. Mm, yeah, it appears that way. And you'd, you'd suspect that Clarkson, regardless of whether he comes to the Ds, won't be there for too much longer because he won't want to be around for a, for a rebuild. He's just, you know, an accomplished coach and been around for too long. So it'll be interesting how that plays out, Stuber. And I, I guess there'll be news uh, every day from this point forward. Um, and we can talk to some of these issues in the in the coming week or so. Yeah, and let's not get sad and stuff like that. He's he's wanting way no. too much money as well. And no, he, and, as we so, and someone in, in Demon Lane, I know Demon Lane is, he's is like what a it is. Salem, but, isn't he? But, but someone actually said he's better than Salem and he took out stats. Oh, no. And I'm like, you, you are joking. Salem's a midfielder who's being played as a backman. Saad has no... No other position that he can play in the field. No, exactly. And I would, he's not a better kick. He just he's a bit faster. That's all I'll have, um, you know, over Salem. But Salem's a much better user of the ball. He's got a better footy brain. And like you said, he can play through the midfield at any other team in the top eight. He would be playing through the midfield at some point. Now, we have the D's best and fairest tomorrow. Yes, I guess one of, one of the things we'll have um, bring to you next week is we'll really dissect some of the speeches because I'm guessing that Bartlett, Pert and unfortunately Goodwin will be having comments. It'll be really interesting to hear what some of, what sort of comments they have. It'd be interesting yeah, to see if, if Bartlett and Pert start preaching the same sort of um, we've improved messages. That'll be really interesting or whether they calm down as... Um, really disappointed that we missed finals. It'll be really interesting to hear uh, what they're saying uh, in comparison to what Goodwin said after the match, which seems to be defending his own job. Yeah, that that's very much uh, spot on, Stu. And I, I will I'll look at those speeches closely myself, um, and hopefully they're not too complimentary. Uh, on the evening because it was a failed season, as we mentioned earlier in the pod. Um, but yeah, like you said with Pert, he generally will uh, leave us with the read between the lines um, for ourselves to, to make sense of. So we'll And to, where do you think uh, Milksham will land in the coaches' votes? <laughs> 
how high, how high do you put Melksham? Probably. I, I have him bottom for most games, other than I think there was one game against Gold Coast where he pulled. Yeah, two games where he where he was um, uh, that that he was like serviceable. Yeah, like good, good. He was good. He was like good average in two games, and the rest There's two he games he was top ten of the players yeah. on the on the field. The rest I'd have him in the bottom four. Yeah. In terms of giving away free. free uh, 50 meter penalties and stuff like that. So, I have him at number nine in the coaches' votes. Uh, he'll probably... Oh, I think he's gonna. He might even sneak into the top five, which uh, no, just... no, he might. He's how about Jones? Captain. Jones, if Jones is in the top ten, that's going to be a problem. Well, he didn't play many games as well, so that's that is a problem. Yeah. Um, I, but I think it has to it has to be Petrarca then May, um, Gorn has to be up there. And then Oliver. Finally didn't have a great season, so I would have thought that he shouldn't be in the top five. So it should, uh, oh, or should be fifth. In the first half of the year, it was pretty good, Struber. So yeah, Oliver was better. Yeah. So both, But those guys are going to feature in the top ten. Um, yes, definitely. And Mitch Brown, had he had a few more games, he might have <sighs> featured your boy, Mitchie Brown. Struber. He might be getting a lot of coaches' votes for... He keeps getting mentioned by the coach. I don't know what... Well, Lever, he played it. Lever, Lever, I think, Lever must be tearing his hair out. He's like, let me be the guy who's got no, uh, <laughs> no one to guard, and I'll show you what I can do with that position. Because, um, yeah, bitch Brown, what a waste of space. Hey, even, like Goodwin even said after the match that he played one tall, which kind of t- tells you what he thinks of Brown. He thinks of him as a mid, uh, mid, uh, mid-size forward slash. Uh, well, he plays like a mid-sized forward and uh, slash a defender instead of a two tall ruck, two tall forwards, which is a really bizarre thing to play when you know that we've had so many struggles at the start of the year playing only one tall forward and then to go the the, lack, the bat latter end of the year with the same issue. It's just really confusing. Yeah. So, sorry, guys. I just hate Brown. It's just he he could be good if you play him right, but if you play him as the second tall, you're just asking for trouble. Just just with Lever though, the last few weeks he's actually looked really comfortable, and a lot of people have been paying out on him. And I haven't. And and look, we've been saying that he hasn't been playing at the level that he should be on the contract, and given that we um, gave up all these draft picks, but I think Goodwin has a lot to. to you know, to answer for because he's made Lever look way worse than he is. Would you agree with that, Stuart? It's not would, just Lever being a bad I would agree player. with that. And I would also say that internationally, it takes a long time to get back from ACL. Yeah. It's not the, like um, a lot of players, their first season back, they don't really, you, you see glimpses, but you don't see who they are. And it's not mm. till partway through the second season, which is what we were starting to see. We started seeing uh, a lot more, longer patches of, of better form. But it, even then, having so chopping and changing the defence so much and having him play some, some weeks on a smaller player, some weeks on a bigger player when he's just trying to recapture his own form doesn't help him. It would be no. really difficult to having to switch and play that really diff- – that's a very difficult role in, in and of itself. And if you also ask him to have all this contribution uh, as an attacking defender, it's – you're making it, you're delaying his ability to recapture his own form. Mm. All right, Stuber. Well, I think we'll we'll watch the um, the 
events tomorrow night closely and we'll have some uh, some stuff to talk about next week. And if there's any trade news, we'll dissect that. Uh, and if, if Goodwin's fired at any stage, <laughs> we will jump on this podcast faster than you can say. We <laughs> certainly will. Um, and we'll stop what we're doing and we'll give you even... A, <laughs> we might even crack open an 18-year-old whiskey that I've got um, here stored for that occasion, Stuva. So... Um, don't you worry about that. I can't visit you there, but I'll, I'll enjoy it visually through our Zoom link here. Yes, that we shall. All right, everyone, take care. Uh, looks like we're, the lockdown's getting a lot better, so hopefully the numbers keep going down and we can break out and enjoy ourselves again. But um, in the meantime, yeah, take care and go days. Go days.